The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue in our study of the book of Revelation, we've come to the fifth and sixth seals of the book that was in the hand of the Father. You may recall that in chapters 4 and 5, we saw that there was a book that God the Father, sitting on the throne, was in possession of. and There was no man worthy to take that book except the man Christ Jesus. You may recall that there were seven seals on that book. Here in chapter 6, we've begun to see the man Christ Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who is also the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, opening these seals one by one. We've come to the fifth and sixth seals today. Leading up to this opening of these seals, Brother Buddy Habernathy reminds us that the book of Revelation teaches how Jesus intervenes in the lives of his children here in this time world, both by protecting them and by judging the wicked in a timely sense. Join us today as these fifth and sixth seals are opened and we see more of the encouraging message that Jesus is in control and cares for his children. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy, and then please stay tuned for the message.
continue looking at the book of Revelation tonight, and due to the highly symbolic and figurative language of the book, I always feel like it's important to make some preliminary remarks so that we'll have the right focus on the particular part we're looking at, because there are so many uh, strange ideas in the religious world about this book. Many of them incorporate the notion that these are future prophecies. That is, these are not things we're going through now, but these are things that will happen as future dispensations of times before the Lord comes back to take us home. So that's another reason we need to lay some foundational uh, concepts. Now, first of all, the events in the book of Revelation are those things which transpire between the first and second advent of Christ. Most scholars believe that this book was written around 90 or 95 A.D. That would be about 60 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So essentially, the writer is a contemporary of Jesus, as this was written only about 60 years after Jesus was here on earth. Now when we say the events covered here are between the first and second advent of Christ, we recognize that the first time he came, he saved his people from their sins. 
The second time he's coming, he'll be taking home those that he saved. It's just that simple. In between those two advents, uh, the church that he established while he was here is to function the same way throughout the centuries. And we believe it's very important and we emphasize that we try to follow the New Testament pattern of worship, although we're living 2,000 years since Jesus established the church. Now it's so important to again emphasize that when the Lord comes back in his second advent, that will not be, that the purpose of that will not be to set up a new kingdom. Paul referred to his second coming as the dispensation of the fullness of times. Some would say there are future dispensations, future uh, or rather new and different ways that the kingdom will function in the future before the Lord comes back. But when Paul refers to the future as he saw it in the first century, as the dispensation of the fullness of times, that means that will be the final eternal dispensation, which is God's people in heaven. Now another thing about the book that we've mentioned before is much of the Bible talks about the Lord blessing his people for their obedience or blessing them in their obedience. The perspective of this book for the most part, is how the Lord judges the enemies of his people in order to deliver them, whether it be here in time or in eternity. And as we stated that the book of Revelation covers events from the first advent of Christ to the second advent of Christ, You'll notice if you study the book and if the Lord gives you light, and I'm looking for that light as we continue, that he, give us he gives us different perspectives and viewpoints and different descriptions of some of the same events. In other words, you get one sweeping view of history and then you get another sweeping view. And he mixes together what's going on here in this world and what's going on in heaven right now. And we'll see an example of that tonight. So we want to continue tonight in Revelation chapter 6. I recognize there's some here that may not have been here previously and I want to emphasize or set up what we'll be looking at tonight. In Revelation chapter 5, we're told about a book in the right hand of him that sitteth on the throne. Of course, that's referring to God. This book is sealed with seven seals. No man in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book. No man had the ability to open the book. But then it refers to this one who's described in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, as the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
and the root of David. He's described in chapter 6. Verse 1 is the Lamb. And obviously that's referring to Jesus Christ. He was worthy to, open the, to take the book and to open the seals thereof. And then last time as we looked at the first part of chapter 6, we see a description of what transpires when Jesus opened those seals. And essentially what you'll see in the first four of these seven seals, we saw how Jesus providentially intervenes in the affairs of this life to judge the enemies of God's people. And this is described in terms of four horses. The white horse that I believe Jesus rides upon, he's referred to, notice in uh, verse 2 of chapter 6, the one that sat on this horse had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. So as you think about that book with seven seals, being unsealed, and he unseals the first page, and then you see this white horse go forth, and notice what it says, he was given a bow and a crown, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. You see, that's not a description of Jesus directly blessing his people, and it's not a description of him conquering Satan on the cross, but rather it's a description of how Jesus can involve himself in the affairs of this life for the welfare of his people. And then he talks about three other horses. A red horse that talks about how he can use war to stop the enemies of God's people. He talks about a black horse. Notice in Revelation chapter uh, 6 and uh, verse 5, this black horse. And that horse had a pair of balances in his hand. And as he goes on, to, as you go on to read that, here you'll see it's referring to famine or scarcity and how the Lord can providentially deal with the enemies of God's people in that way. And he talks about a pale horse, which can represent uh, disease and pestilence. So Lord, the Lord can use different ways of involving himself in the affairs of this world to deal with and push back the enemies of God's people. Now, as we get to this fifth seal, we're still receiving revelation as he unseals these pages of the book. But now notice the perspective will change from how Jesus is involving himself in the affairs of this world to what's going on with the Lord's people in heaven. Beginning in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now remember this was written about 60 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. All the apostles, with the exception of John, banished here. The apostles, they were, 
all uh, martyrs. They were all uh, persecuted and killed for the testimony of Christ. And so here we see, as this fifth seal is open, we see what's going on in heaven. And notice what he says here. He saw the souls of them, not the bodies. The resurrection hasn't taken place yet. He saw the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. That is, they were murdered for their stance on the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They would not recant. They would not deny Christ. And many of God's people in the first century no doubt died that way. And John sees the souls of those people in heaven. And notice, you may say, why is he now switching to heaven? We'll see in the next verse that the souls of God's people who were already in heaven at this time are concerned about the Lord pouring out judgment on their enemies here on earth. Notice how he describes this in verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So I hope you can visualize this in your mind. Having talked about Jesus being involved with the affairs of this life, we now switch to heaven and we see the souls of some of those who were put to death by the enemies of Christ and His people. And they're saying, Lord, how long until You pour out Your wrath on our enemies? So you see this perspective. It's not focused on God blessing His people in obedience but it's focused on the, His judgment upon those who persecuted them for their obedience. How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost Thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said to them, it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So notice, they're saying, Lord, what's the holdup? You know, one of the holdups was mentioned in the book of Peter. Notice in and I believe this is the primary reason for the delay. It's not that God can't get things right. It's all going according to His schedule. And here's what the Lord's waiting on. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, but the day of the Lord will come. Now in context here, verse 9 is not saying that God hopes 
No one will go to hell. He, it's not his will that any should perish and he hopes they'll do what they need to do to go to heaven. No, he's saying in an absolute sense, it is not God's will that any of his perish and they will not perish. And he's long-suffering, not willing that they should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that word repent means to turn around. Sometimes that's referring to you being active, but it can also refer to the Spirit acting upon you and turning you around when you're born again and making you a new creature in Christ. And you can, you're not fit for heaven unless you've been made a new creature in Christ. And evidently, even in our day, there's still some of God's children that have not yet been born of the Spirit. But it is not God's will that they would perish and they will not perish, and they will receive eternal life. They'll be made new creatures in Christ. And we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if you'll look at Revelation chapter 7, he talks about God's elect among the Jews in heaven, and His elect among multitudes of other people and these angels are ready to judge the earth and another angel says hold off and he says in my words we're, we need to wait until let's notice the language here verse 3 hurt not the earth neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. I believe that's speaking of God marking them out in a vital sense. You see, the angels are depicted there as ready to judge the earth. But this other angel says, wait, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So as we go back to chapter 6, this gives us some insight to what he's talking about. Verse 10, they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now I want you to notice that expression, little season. That's used two times in the book of Revelation. Notice how it's used in Revelation chapter 20, and I believe you'll see the, the time period under consideration. Let's just begin with verse 1 of Revelation 20. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. That just means a long period of time. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years... That's an indefinite long period of time. 
till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loose for a little season. That's an indefinite short period of time. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.